Hey Hardies, you're listening to the Hardies Hotline, your connection to Hope Valley, hosted by me, Casey, and my friends Caroline and Cammie. A special thanks goes to our friend Brian Bird for letting us use the music on our show. Without further ado, grab a scone from Abigail's and enjoy. Ho, 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 Hardies! <laughs> Welcome to the Hardies Hotline, your connection to Hope Valley. I am the who down in Hooked Hardyville? <laughs> We're going all Christmas right now, you guys. <laughs> I am the Who down in Hooked Hardyville, Cammy Clements, with my lovely co-host, the Happy Christmas Hardy, Casey. <laughs> this is used to me. Hi. I'm the Happy Christmas Ghost Spirit. Party. Y'all, Candy just sprung this on me. I was not prepared. <laughs> I totally just sprung a letter. <laughs> I thought she was going to call me like Casey Luhu or something. I don't know. Dang it. That's a good one. Why didn't I think of that one? <laughs> my late English teacher used to call me Casey Lou. Oh, yeah. That's not my middle name or anything. She would just, you know. Casey Lou. Hello. <laughs> we are in a very Christmassy mood here at the Hallmarkies podcast because we're in the middle of December. Yes, Casey has her lovely Christmas tree. <laughs> my baby Christmas tree that's full of glitter and my husband's gonna hate it because it's glittery. <laughs> it, it, it looks like it could be Cindy Lou who's Christmas oh, tree. Oh, it could be like her little, you know. but we are also here to announce another giveaway yes because it is the season of giving so thanks to our friends at edify films who provide things like this lovely hat that you see me wearing always because now that i have it i can't podcast without it it's just not it's just it's part of my head whenever I get on the Hardy's hotline. So uh, we are here to announce the giveaway this time by your favorite Hardy, the soundtrack. Yay! <laughs> Yay! You can give it to them and they will listen to it over and over and over because we all know how much we love the music. Or you know what? secret Santa yourself and give it to yourself (laughs) because after a year like this you deserve it that's right that's right and that music is just so beautiful it's perfect for just winding down from a long day and you just put it in the background and it just reliving cheery reliving all your favorite moments Mm. because oh my gosh I don't know if you have memories with music the way I do but a couple of notes of a certain song and I am transported back in time to whenever that song was happening that created the memory it's amazing so yes all my certain things and and it's gonna come alive in our brains Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) All my music memories have to do with Filipino parties and line dancing. So 
That's an interesting combination. <laughs> I mean, when you get those Tito's up on the dancing queen on the floor, I mean, y'all have not seen a good party. <laughs> well, now that song, I will have to agree with you because my 72 year old mother, you need to see her during the dancing queen. <laughs> She becomes the dancing queen. <laughs> <laughs> but we digress. So all you have to do is go and subscribe to Casey. All you have to do is subscribe or follow our Instagram, which is at Hardy's Hotline. So be sure and follow us because you will know when we drop an episode. And sometimes we get on the Insta stories and do some fun things. Yeah. That's the goal in 2020, 2021 to do more shenanigans on the Insta stories as we yeah. get closer to the most anticipated season of When Calls the Heart season eight. This giveaway will run from today, December 16th through Saturday, December 19th. So be sure you enter very soon and very quickly and good luck. All right, everybody. Now let's move on to our discussion for today. We are on season one, episode eight, Perils of the Soloists. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, Cammy, I... Uh, I forgot how emotionally charged and draining this episode was. Uh-huh. I, I think my emotions went 180 about four different times because yeah, yeah, there was so much in this episode that I, I was either laughing or crying. There was no <laughs> in between. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Okay, so let's start with the summary. Elizabeth must put on the Coal Valley Founders Day play on short notice. Very short notice. <laughs> the only surviving miner from the explosion comes home from the hospital with a shocking surprise. Jack has a heart to heart with Adam, the miner in hopes of bringing him back to his family. All right. Oh. <laughs> so Casey, to start off, I have a question for you. Sure. Jack says to Adam, when I was young, I thought my father hung the moon. And I know your girls feel like that about you too. Mm -hmm. do you have someone in your life or did you have someone in your life that you thought hung the moon um I guess I would have to say both my parents especially now as a uh, being a, a mom myself um looking back mm -hmm. I don't know how they did it <laughs> to be quite honest with you I really don't know how they did it like leaving their homeland and going across the world halfway across the world 
And then going even further around the world, achieving the American dream, raising two children, sacrificing their schedule so that somebody was always home with us. Um, because my grandparents, both, um, both my grandparents passed away before I was six. Um, oh. So she, my grandma, um, she passed away when, before my sixth birthday, like five months before. Um, but she took care of us until she got really sick. My grandfather passed away when I was like three-ish. Um, so they had a lot of help and they had a really good support system. But once my grandma, but once my grandma passed away, uh, my parents had to really finagle their schedule so that um, they didn't have to spend the extra money that they didn't have to send us to daycare. So I guess looking back, I'd say definitely my parents um, and just knowing all the sacrifices they made, that's my long answer. <laughs> oh, that's good. Wow. Um, for me, you would think that if I asked the question, I would give it some forethought, but uh, uh, what I, I actually have a few, but the one that I'll say is my paternal grandfather. He, uh, he died when I was seven mm. and it was, um, it was from, it was after surgery, a blood clot formed in his lungs after the surgery. And so they thought he was doing fine and then he stopped breathing. Mm. And yeah, so uh, my dad had traveled out to see him for the surgery. And then I was all excited that my dad was coming home because my dad traveled a lot when I was a girl. And um, so I was all excited that he was coming home. And then I walk into the room and I kind of played peekaboo and then I see that he's really sad and say, what's wrong, daddy? And he's like, honey, grandpa Townsend just died. And that was the first time that anybody close to me had ever died. Mm -hmm. And my, my uh, paternal grandparents came and visited us all the time. I was really, really close to them. My grandma would send us letters constantly and she would send us a card with a dollar in it for every holiday. Oh, yeah. And so that was always something to look forward to because we would get mail and they just, they really, really focused on us and they would drive their trailer down from Utah and, uh, and come and visit us. And then we would go up and see them every summer and my my grandpa could fix anything mm -hmm. he, he could fix anything and he was really good at fishing he was an outdoors man and so i i thought i thought my grandpa hung the moon mm -hmm. so yeah that that would probably be my my answer so let's talk about that storyline of the man that once hung the moon and had to learn how to hang the moon again Oh, oh, <laughs> oh my, oh my, 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 my. Um, yeah. So this time watching it around, um, mm -hmm. again, different perspective because now a parent of two girls, just like Laurel and Adam. Yeah. Um, so that was another fresh picture for me. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that stood out to me was the fact that this storyline is so drastically different than um, later season storylines. 
I mean, this dealt with a very heavy issue of PTSD and um, mental illness in a, in and, a way. And losing a limb. Um, and so it, I don't want to say it went to a dark place, but it kind of no. did. In a, it, it did in a, in a, um, in a very classy, yeah. family-friendly sort of way. And I yeah. really appreciated that because it wasn't all honky-dory. I mean, I, I wasn't sure if Adam, I mean, the first time around, I wasn't sure if Adam was going to like actually, you know, commit self-harm or anything like that. Yeah. Yep. Um, but I, I appreciate the fact that um, Adam and Laurel also had a very real fight. <laughs> it, it wasn't yes. just a, how could you? And da, 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 da. I mean, my, my heart was beating like so yeah. rapidly in this moment because I was so wrapped up in trying to you know, go into these characters' shoes and feel it in the moment. And like, what would I feel if I were Laurel? Or what would I feel if I were Adam? And like, I like even right now, just talking about, it, I'm like, oh my word. <laughs> the other thing that I really loved is their relationship was so real. Yes. You know, a lot of times, a lot of times we we talk about the romance. We gush over the okay. sweet moments, and so it may seem that we would want Laurel and Adam to just fall into each other's arms and, and kiss each other and talk about how much they missed each other. But when you think about it, that he has been harbor, harboring this secret for five months mm -hmm. and he comes back, he's ashamed, she's shocked, and even if his body had been intact, it was going to take time mm -hmm. for them to reacclimate to each other. Right. But with him missing a limb and feeling that he is half a man. And I, I remember getting frustrated and saying, you're lucky to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> but then... But then, you know, I realized that this was a man who proved his self-worth mm -hmm. through his physical activity. Yes. And through his strength and through, I mean, he he had, one thing I noticed about, about him is he had very long arms and very strong arms. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, he could probably wrap his arms all the way around Laurel. Mm -hmm. And that, that was what he saw himself as was her provider, her protector. Mm -hmm. And now he's reduced to visibly and very jerkily shaking when a whistle blows. Mm -hmm. And he's limping everywhere. So, yeah, it, you know, they had a very real reaction to each other that I saying I missed you having the tender words, but not quite in step with mm -hmm. each other yet. Yeah, that's a perfect way of saying it. They were not in step. Yeah. 
they obviously loved each other obviously very obviously obviously adam loved his daughters um but they were laurel and adam were definitely out of sync they were not in sync um and for adam too not only is he you know that the man who hung the moon and the provider at work he was top of his game that was yeah. one thing that stuck out to me too is when Ansel is that's his name right the foreman yeah Mr. Ansel mm -hmm. he says oh I remember you were constantly at the top of this and I was like oh he's also a high performer too and now he can barely you know he can well he can barely move he's doing his best yeah and then of course he's got PTSD so anytime something shakes whistles loud noises rumblings he's gonna freak out you know yep yep and he's got survivor's guilt. He was the one man pulled mm -hmm. out alive. Yeah. I mean, can you even imagine that scale? Yeah. To be on the scale of something that huge. 47 men died and you alone were pulled out alive. Mm -hmm. I mean, talk about survivor's guilt. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Oh my goodness. And, you know, and Jolene is constantly bragging about him. He's the top miner in town. He once dug two miles through the mountain in one day. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this guy was practically Superman Yeah, in the mining community. He really so, was. Yeah. Really was. So I got another, I got another what if question for you. Okay. What if you had been Laurel? and five months you went thinking your husband was getting better and he comes home with one leg oh okay um <laughs> i my emotions would probably be all over um i would probably tell my husband i love you i'm glad you're here but I probably would not be as great as Laurel. I'd probably have to really rein it back and just be like, hmm. I, I mean, I think maybe not not so much like, you know, as soon as my husband steps out of the stagecoach, you know, I'm not gonna go off on him in front of the entire town. But I think I think my reaction would be just as um real as Laurel. Like I I probably would say some fighting words and regret it just like she did. Um, because I, I really empathized with her in that moment. I, I really did. Um, cause there have been times where we, you know, my husband and I, we've both been under stress and like, just, you know, words fly out. We don't mean it necessarily. Yep. Um, but once you say it, you can't take it back, but you're in the heat of the, you're in the heat of the moment and the stress and the anger and just like things are said. And that's another thing I appreciated about these two characters is they were real fighting words. They were not like they were not surface. This argument was not a surface level thing, which I think that's something that we've kind of gotten into more um, just in today's TV shows. A lot of arguments are not deeper than that. I mean, the, this dug deep y'all. Oh my gosh. I mean, when she, when she said, if you were just going to give up, then why did you bother even come? <gasps> and she just stopped herself she couldn't even believe that that had come out of her mouth but she was ranting and 
she knew it and he knew it. And like you said, those words cannot be taken back. I know, I know I have said things that I didn't mean under stress to my husband. And I just think, oh my gosh, what could have possessed me? Oh man. So, um, I mean, to be honest with you too, with, with Adam and Laurel, Adam, Laurel sacrificed their money to buy him a prosthetic leg because she thought it would be helping him. And he, because he's already feeling like he's worthless, he doesn't want to be a charity case because he's a proud man because he was Superman before. Mm -hmm. And oh, the way he just shoved that thing off the table, breaking things. I mean, shattered glass. I mean, if my husband did that, I I would, I would react the same way as Laurel. I'm human y'all, you guys. I am very human. I, oh, I, I would, I would have said, what is wrong with you? (laughs) And I mean, especially how proud, how proud Laurel was and how proud the girls were Mm. that they had done this to make a better life for their Mm. pod. And, um, and so speaking of which my reaction, if that happened to me would have been far more dramatic than laurels i would not have gone off of him gone off on him in front of the town but i probably would have gone (laughs) 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 and just i probably would have started to sob right then and there five months and you never said a word and now i'm finding out in front of the entire town you know I mean, there were so, there are so many things that she could have done to prepare for that moment Mm -hmm. if she had known. Yeah. Oh gosh. Oh my gosh. And uh, can we just take a moment and say how incredible Chad and Christine's performances are? Oh, fantastic. Oh my gosh. I thought, I mean, to be honest with you for a moment there, I thought they were married for real. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know they're not, but just the way their chemistry was in the You get episode, swept up in it. Yeah, yeah, I was totally swept up in it because it, well, it just you're supposed so real. to be. <laughs> just true. Yeah. True. Can, can we highlight another character in this family? Another actress in this family who did an impeccable oh, job? Please, I was just going to go to her. Please <gasps> do. Lila Fitzgerald you are amazing oh <laughs> my lanta this girl <laughs> she can bring someone to tears oh. we need to have you on the podcast lila come yes. on over lila we are coming for you <laughs> we are coming for you girl yeah and we know you're much older now but we just have to say wow the casting of the children is just perfect because either they overact or they underact and Lila in that, I, and again, I thought this was a real life family because the way that she looks, that Jolene looks at her dad when he comes out and then she just runs to him and she's not sobbing, but her face is crumpling up. It, it was perfect. And like the, the, the run and hug at the end, that was also another moment that was just beautifully portrayed her innocence with you know 
looking, sneaking, trying to sneak a peek and see like what really is under the blanket. Oh man, her curiosity. Yeah. Her curiosity and, and do I dare, do I dare peeking under, oh my gosh, his leg really is gone. You know, just wow she played that perfectly she had like the big wide eyes and everything yeah and then the most crushing moment for me in this is when she's so excited she has picked up these flowers for her father and she you know her mom's like oh we'll put it in a vase and they're so excited and of course adam doesn't know he's so wrapped up in the fact that his wife is demeaning him in his mind at least we all know he she's not doing that but in his mind he feels like he's being he's not a man he when he throws that and she he storms out she's holding morgan rose and like cowering in a corner because she's never seen her daddy like this before and then she picks up that her flowers in in the vase and just just like cradling it and holding it and i was like oh my goodness tears don't cry Casey don't cry (laughs) it was mm. the moment that did it for me was when mm, now I'm gonna cry when she says my daddy never came back that one too because that's what happened to me my Mm -hmm. dad my dad uh they found they found his cancer because he needed a quadruple bypass. His heart was in such bad shape by the time he uh, got it looked at mm. that, um, that they needed to do a quadruple bypass and then they found his cancer. And oh, wow. After, and this all happened when I was at college. I had no knowledge of the quadruple bypass and I had no knowledge of them finding cancer until my mom came up to visit me for a play I was in and then she told me in person which I understand she wanted to tell me in person mm-hmm. but at the same time I was like how is this all happening without my knowledge <laughs> and but when I came home when I came home at the end of the semester my daddy was gone and mm-hmm. it was replaced by this other man because there was something about having his heart worked on that changed him. Mm-hmm. And so that, that line, mm, that that's the line that got to me because I totally knew what Jolene was talking about. Mm-hmm. And um, the other, the other one, was when she was cuddled in bed with Laurel and saying, when he was gone before, I knew he was coming home. This time, I'm not so sure. Yeah. I mean, can you just imagine? They just got him back. Mm -hmm. It's a different form of him, but they just got him back. Yeah. And all that time he was in the hospital they knew he was coming home Mm -hmm. they didn't know when they didn't know how long it was going to be but they knew he was coming home and this time 
it is a very real possibility that he wasn't coming home. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shoot you. <strict laughs> now, I mean, honestly, what she is so perceptive. Jolene is. Oh, she's a smart girl. She is a Jolene very smart. Is such a smart girl. She's very smart. Um, very perceptive. I, I don't know that most I, kids would pick kids are smart. They would pick that up. But I don't know how much to that extent they would pick up on that, you know, um, yeah. because she really, she really dug deep into the emotions of her father. It wasn't just my dad's angry. He's, he's just grumpy and mad now. I don't know why mm-hmm. she, she knew that there was definitely something that was not right in her gut. Like she knew something was com- terribly wrong. Which made a really nice contrast to Morgan Rose's innocence. Mm-hmm. My daddy only has one leg now. It's just, mm. it, you know, and and the and the first sighting. What's wrong with daddy's leg? I mean, that is the perfect childish answer. Yeah. To, ask that's exactly what would come out of any five-year-old's mouth right mm-hmm. oh yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> let's talk about adam and jack mm. and that that scene together and then let's talk about the final scene yeah oh. <laughs> This is the first time that we've seen Jack really open up about his personal life. Uh-huh. And it it's was the first it's the first time that we hear it's the first time that we hear the story about his father. Mm-hmm. And um it the writing and the development of Jack's character totally fit this situation. Jack has held yeah. his personal life very tight knit inside of him Mm -hmm. close to his vest yes probably more like deeply underneath his vest (laughs) probably (laughs) but he i really appreciate the fact that the writers slowly unveiled jack they slowly reveal his 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 character and like what makes him tick and why is he the way he is and why is he so overprotective why did he become mountie um, and I think that having him reveal his backstory to the audience, so to us, through telling his story to Adam was very appropriate because um, we're not getting his whole backstory all at once. Like we didn't hear him have a conversation with Elizabeth that said, hey, my mom was a teacher. My dad is a Mountie and he died. Hey, you know, it wouldn't have that. It wouldn't have that impact. But yeah. When he's talking to Adam, a man who's suffering with PTSD, who is about to commit self-harm and who has two daughters, it it just, Jack's story about his father not having a choice to quote unquote, come back home was very, very powerful for both the audience and for, for Adam. Because Adam now had a choice to make. And I mean, you know. Especially with the word burden. 
the, I mean, the timing of the conversation was uncanny. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's just such a well-written and well-delivered script. Um, because, you know, Adam says, father who is away providing for his family is very different from a father who's a burden. Mm -hmm. And then he got hurt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, you know, it's a very kind way. It's a very kind way of saying, you don't know as much as you think, you know, mm -hmm. and you're not the only one who has suffered. Mm -hmm. So yeah. open you, open your eyes a little bit. You know, yeah. and, and you said, you said something really profound right there. Jack's father didn't have a choice. Right. When he came home, mm -hmm. Adam Miller has a choice. Mm -hmm. He has a choice. And that was, I, I also loved what, um, what Jack said that he that he says there is more to a man than flesh and bone and the almighty can bless the work of your hands he purposefully he purposefully said the work of your hands i think yes because he has both hands and he not only not only was he the fastest miner where he had to use both legs and he was a powerhouse and a superman of a man, but he still has both hands that can build, that can love, that can be a craftsman of some kind. Mm -hmm. And we find out in season two that he was pretty handy with a hammer and a nail. Mm -hmm. So bingo you know right <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that later but um, but that was a really really that was a really really beautiful moment even though at the time adam rejects it you know he says don't you play with me i know who i am and it's funny because I, I remember the first time watching it and just shaking my head. No, I don't think you do. I don't yeah. think you, I don't think you do know who you are. Yeah. You, you know who you were mm -hmm. and you know who you feel you are, but mm -hmm. I don't think you know who you are right now. Yeah, I agree. I think in that moment, I think he was just trying to get Jack off his back, you know, yeah. because I, I'm pretty sure Adam was just saying that to say it because he obviously didn't know who he was um, just through his actions and through what he was saying, um, especially with just so many empty things that he was saying to like to Laurel and to Jack in the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, they, they did a great job portraying a man with PTSD in this episode. They did. They did. It, they did. They did a fabulous. They did. Job. Yeah. The way that Jack described the PTSD mm -hmm. is being in a mine. Mm -hmm. Something that Adam could connect to. Right. And something that I think Adam was feeling, but didn't quite know how to express. 
Mm-hmm. And Jack says to him, you got to find a way out of that mine back into life. And I just have this very vivid picture in my head of Jack, scra- uh, of Adam scraping and clawing and digging through the dirt. And finally the light breaks through and he finds a way out of the mine. He finds a way out of the mine of his brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then of course, Jack brings Adam back. <laughs> Oh, um, if you remember from my chat with Chad last week, he said that day on set was just as emotional as it appears. <laughs> that that was that moment was just as emotional as it looked. Mm-hmm. And I just I, I loved that description because also, if you remember, I knew who Chad Willett was from 1995. And so the f- my first reaction, seeing him get out of the stagecoach, you know, it went up from the peg leg. And I remember my reactions perfectly. I went, oh, no. And then it panned up and went, oh, him. <laughs> so I had a, a moment of levity in a time when I shouldn't have. But, and then I <laughs> And uh, I went, oh, him, oh, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was a very silly moment, but, um, but then, you know, having known him at, uh, and remembering him with fondness from my preteen and my teenage years, um, and then watching his character go through this and watching him play it so mm-hmm so grippingly you know and he he took me on that journey with him and then to see him accept himself Mm -hmm. and to see him truly want to go back to his family because even it didn't matter what jack said until he was blue in the face if he didn't want to go back nothing was gonna make him exactly And he truly did have a change of heart and he wanted to go and be a father. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I, I said this to Chad, the performer in me, you know, the, the actor in me, when, when Jolene ran up to, ran up to her, I was like, no, in the middle of the show, show must go on. No, not in these instances. Her daddy's back. (laughs) But the daughter in me, Mm -hmm. the daughter in me, you know, my, my father passed away nine years ago. And if by some chance there had been a mistake and all of a sudden, you know, and I thought he was gone and then he shows up in the doorway yeah, there's no way I'm staying there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But what a beautiful way to end that storyline. So much so. And so much so. I think, too, another thing I appreciate is they didn't necessarily tie it up in a nice, pretty bow. Um, Like, we didn't see Laurel and Adam, you know, kissing and having this heart to heart of you know everything's gonna be okay right things will take time 
to mm-hmm. heal from, but at least it's beginning that that step. It's opening that door and Adam's return is showing Laurel, like, you know what, life is going to be different. It's going to be a little hard for me, but I'm here and I'm willing to try to grow past these moments, these hard times and these, these hard moments for you and for the girls. So, and I'm going to be that man that you fell in love with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, there, there are two lines that Laurel says that just touched me so deeply for me, there will never be another man. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, that's a very frontier town way of saying something a lot heavier, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, he was and is the only man that Laurel has ever loved mm-hmm. and like and, and like so many around her, she got him back. Yeah. And so now he's going to be that man that she fell in love with. And then the other thing is, I loved you then. I love you now. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, that takes an incredible amount of character. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. To, especially to do all of that right up front. Mm-hmm. All right, let's have a little fun. <laughs> Yay! Because we're we're gonna yak about Jack. <laughs> okay. Okay. Before we start, <laughs> I just say I appreciate the levity that the Jack and Elizabeth storyline brings in the Founders play and all of that because we needed it. <laughs> wow, with such a heavy a storyline with Adam, because I feel like even though he's a B character, that storyline was very prevalent in this 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 um, episode. Agreed. Agreed. I so appreciated the moments of levity. So it wasn't feeling so heavy. (laughs) Okay. So let's start with Jack not being able to keep a straight face because (laughs) Elizabeth Elizabeth has something on her nose. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's such a pill. He is. I I love when Morgan Rose says, you look silly, and he just breaks out laughing. He can't hold it in anymore. <laughs> now, okay, how did she pick the nose right off the bat? I mean, she just says, I paint on my nose, don't I? I, I would have been like, okay, is there something on my face? <laughs> She picked the nose very quickly. Maybe she touched her nose really fast and she knew that. I don't know. <laughs> and then, of course, he uses that moment to just touch her a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're getting more physically comfortable with each other, which yeah. I think is very cute. They're not social distancing. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 they, they certainly are not. <laughs> Jack has there he's got a lot of uh revelations of hidden talents in this episode oh my goodness okay now that's <laughs> another question how did Abigail find out 
how did Abigail find out? She had to have known because in the first episode, Jack notices the painting of no from Noah Sand right off. And he appreciates it. And he, and she, yeah, she talks about the artist's mm-hmm. eye and all that, but I don't know. I just was like, uh, but the thing is, like, who else in that town? That, yes, that's what I was going to say. It's the process of elimination mm-hmm. because she knows everybody in that town. Oh, yeah, it's a small town. Everybody knows everybody's business, even before the telephone arrives. <laughs> but I think, I think, I think what happened is Elizabeth came home and was like, Abigail, the most amazing thing happened. Blah, blah, blah. It's a painting. And then she's like, let's go see it since you're here in the cafe all the time. So they go to see it. And she's like, huh, this is interesting. <laughs> and she probably went, it's probably one of one people, one person. <laughs> and my Did you play, love is is Jack because he appreciated Noah's artwork. We don't know much about him. And who else would spend all night long painting a mural? I I would think it would be obvious, but apparently it wasn't to Elizabeth. You know, I, I do have to say, I do wish that we had found that that we had had a scene later on down the line of Elizabeth finding out because, you know, she finds out from Rosemary that he's a painter and all of that. And we can see it clicking, but I just, I don't know. I, that is one thing that I wish we could have seen. I wish we could have seen Elizabeth find out that it was Jack who painted it because then she could get all, upset quote unquote about uh about the the picture of them the stick of dynamite being a stick of dynamite (laughs) (laughs) since we're talking about that mural can we real quick jump to the kids discovering the stick of dynamite I will never forget sitting there in my mom's living room on the couch, hugely pregnant, and I'm just dying laughing. <laughs> just, I was laughing so hard. And I just, I mean, when the magnifying glass showed up there, I went, <gasps> I think I, I think I took a, like rewind. I think it rewinded. I had thing. to rewind it. I had to rewind it at least twice. I know it was so funny, so funny. I was not expecting that the first time. I don't know what I was expecting to be honest with you. I don't know. Kids are kids. I worked with a bunch of teenagers at one point in my life, and they like the silliest yeah. things. So I was like. Okay, Gabe and Rachel are, are basically like gawking at this. And then they're like, hey, James, buddy, come on over here. Check this thing out. And he's like, oh, look. <laughs> like, what was it? Was it like, I don't know. <laughs> what do you kids laugh at in 1910? I'm sure the same thing that kids laugh at in 2010 and 2020. But... Elizabeth's face when she just when she discovers oh. that thing and the kids are just laughing they're not laughing crying with her so hard 
to keep it contained. No, oh. they're laughing at her. Oh, yep. they are. Totally. Totally. <laughs> and I, wasn't it James that basically threw them under the bus and was like, looks like it's Mountie Jack and you Yeah, yeah it, it says it does look an awful lot like you and Mountie Jack. No, it doesn't, James. It doesn't at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Really? And if you watch, if you watch with the subtitles, I don't know who said it, but if you watch with the subtitles, when the kids are getting up, one of them says, "I knew it," and I went, "Oh yes!" <laughs> <laughs> Called out by Miss Thatcher students. <laughs> and then, okay, let's go to that final scene. <laughs> if I can get through it. <laughs> Once again, Jack's playing with Rip. <laughs> Uh, yes when someone comes in and he has a panicked look on his face for a moment before he puts his hat down on something <laughs> oh well what are, what are we doing in the painting I can't, I can't really say we're we're kissing we're kissing well that is completely inappropriate <laughs> I, I can't even say it with a straight face you're fiction <laughs> oh, oh so my gosh funny. So, i laugh so hard every single time i watch this episode because that scene is just hysterical and how he gets her to back down from trying to figure out who did it by saying, oh, both of our reputations are on the line here. No, no interrogating. <laughs> <laughs> he's so serious about it too. Yes, he's so serious. <laughs> okay, seriously, what constable in any town is going to conduct an official investigation because some dude drew or painted two people kissing? Most constables would be like, yeah, no. <laughs> Well, that shows how very little he has to do in 1910. Now that the <laughs> now that the church fire has been, you know, now that the church fire has been discovered, you know, the culprit, and he's waiting for Bill to come for the mine investigation. Yeah. So he has very little to do at the moment. Apparently not. Apparently, he has all the time in the world to paint a 10 foot by 12 foot mural. So, okay, and who else would have the motive? to paint the two of them kissing besides him. I mean, come on. <laughs> she thought it was the students. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Okay. Too funny. <laughs> Too funny. Now I do want to just mention one serious moment between the two of them. And that's when Elizabeth tells him to be careful because oh. right now Adam Miller is a loose cannon mm -hmm. and they don't know who's going to get caught in the crossfire. And, um, and she says, please be careful. And he says kind of bat bashfully and kind of tossing it aside. I'm glad to see you're so concerned for your constable. And she doesn't, she doesn't, throw it over her shoulder. She doesn't pass it off. She takes the time. I thought that this was especially fitting because just the episode before, Jack had taken her by the arms and said, I want you to know that you can count on me. Mm -hmm. 
So now I feel that it's Elizabeth having that serious moment and having, she didn't say the words, but I think that this is her moment of saying, you can count on me. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm concerned for my constable, but I'm also concerned for the man who wears the constable's uniform, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, in 1910 language, I'm incredibly attracted to you. So come back alive. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, but yeah, I thought that that was her, you can count on me moment. Mm -hmm. And I found it very, you know, you catch all these little things when you go back and watch that you've never seen before, but I didn't realize that they happened one right after the other Mm -hmm. in in the episode so yeah i thought that was very cool yeah and uh you know then of course we end with jack sliding all the paintbrushes and the tubes of paint into a drawer and getting that coy little smile and saying our little secret boy Riff is totally judging him the entire time. When when she puts her hands on his chest, I didn't realize this before, but she has a hand on his chest in the mural. And so when she puts her hands on his chest, when she says, I'm glad you're on the case, I think it's almost like she caught herself doing what she was doing in the painting. And then Rip barks and she... <laughs> Puts her hands down. I'm not doing anything. I'm not touching him. What? <laughs> rip. Good old rip. Good old rip. <laughs> All right. And with that, that concludes our discussion of Perils of the Soloists. And oh. now I have some trivia for trivia. you. Trivia. Trivia. <laughs> okay. Number one, what kind of stitch did Jack use to help Elizabeth sew the costumes? Oh, it was just a little whip stitch. Oh, very good. (laughs) And by the way, may I say, she saw his knee. (laughs) Oh, is that a foreshadowing? (laughs) Maybe. But no, it didn't occur to me until until a couple of times ago watching this. Like, wait a minute, was that entirely appropriate for him to do? You know, I mean, that I didn't. I know it's not the same as a woman lifting up her mm-hmm. skirt, but I was just like, wait a sec. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. Hmm. So she saw his knees before he saw her knees. <laughs> Oh my my my! Oh my! <laughs> the bee's knees here. All right. Oh man, we are going to have way too much fun when we come to that episode. <laughs> All righty, number two. What was the company that closed? So they had to go oh, find a new place to live. The candle company. Very good. Yay! <laughs> Who did Jack quote to Elizabeth? Oh, Aristotle. Very good. <laughs> what was the old teacher's name? Oh, Mrs. Appleton. I wrote that one down. Oh, good for you. Okay. I'm uh, I'm throwing a curveball here. Are you ready? 
No, but I guess you're going to throw it to me anyway. So here's my catcher's mitt. <laughs> what was the other Aaron Krako Hallmark movie that Red River Valley is sung in? Oh, man. Because I'm going to tell you, this was only the second time that I had ever heard this song. And the first time oh. was in this movie that she was in on Hallmark. Is it Chase at Romance? Yeah! Oh, yeah! <laughs> I just won a million dollars! <laughs> really quick, since we are in a giving mood, hoo hoo hoo, of Hooked Hardyville, should we just share, since we are in a giving mood, our next week's episode? Ooh, no. shall we? we sh I think we should. Because all right. Christmas next week after all. It is Christmas next week. And Hardys, we have a very special Christmas present coming to you. And that is Miss Charlotte Hegley, Julie Thatcher. she was an absolute thrill to talk to she was marvelous and we adored her oh she is just so fun so fun love talking to her she is a delight she's absolutely lovely we would love to end the hardy's hotline 2020 year on it's inaugural note. year our inaugural year with a high note, and that's going to be Charlotte Hegley. And I mean, come on, it's Charlotte, y'all. It's Charlotte. It's Charlotte. We can't it's do fantastic. an episode after that. No. <laughs> well, absolutely not. She, you're going to want to listen to it a hundred times. All right, Hardies, you've heard from us enough for one day. We love all of you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.